Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by the Hunter's Mate Lowdown Trail Cam Reviewer. Finally, a trail cam viewer that actually works. Lowdown's high-speed trail cam viewer has flipping fast technology that allows you to view images three times faster on a screen that is 60% bigger than typical 7-inch viewers. Lowdown is a dedicated viewer slash photo manager made for one thing and one thing only. Fast, uncomplicated viewing of your trail cam images and videos. Lowdown makes viewing large numbers of images fast and easy. It allows you to easily delete individuals or groups of selected images. Find out more at lowdownviewer.com. And also brought to you by Patanis Defense. Masters of Darkness. Photonis is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles. Built around the Photonis 16mm filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and their hybrid filmless 18mm image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Patanis Defense, Masters of Darkness. I'm your host, Joe Baia, here today with my co-host, Butch Theory. This week, Butch, we're talking about turkeys specifically how to create the best food plots for turkeys on your property. And the answer may not be what you think. It's an interesting, it's going to be an interesting show. Typically when you're talking food plots, it's all about seed and fertilizer and herbicide and planting methods and till versus no till. And there's yeah. a little more. Seems to like it complication. Turkeys. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like whenever you start thinking about those things and seed mixes and herbicides and, Disking this and do I need to disc this? Should I disc this? Because it worse if I disc it. It's uh it could be complicated, man, but maybe it doesn't have to be that complicated. It really doesn't. Uh but a tur- <laughs> but a turkey is not a deer and they have their own needs. Hey, that is a fact. That's one hundred percent. We are going to learn today what do turkeys really need throughout the year? What are you trying to accomplish with your food plot for turkeys? Uh you trying to feed them? You trying to protect them? What are you trying to do? And then how can you do that on your property? Who do you need to talk to? What kind of equipment do you need? What kind of seeds do you need? Or do you even need any of that? It's going to be a fun one this week. We're talking with Tim Wood from the Alabama Farmers Cooperative. Tim, first off, tell everybody uh, which branch, uh, where, are you, where are you out of? And then I want to hear how your turkey season has been going so far. Well, I'm uh, we're, I'm general manager of Central Alabama Farmers Co-op, which we've got locations in Selma, over in Fonsdale, and also in Demopolis in West Alabama. I've uh, been here a long time, and I'll tell you what, the turkey season, I've only been once so far this year. Uh, I've not been able to go, but I figure it's a long season, no reason to go out and get wet. Right. Uh, you know, I'm not like it used to be where I had to shoot. I had to go every day. It's just yeah, not that's like right. It but <laughs> it, was talk- a, it was a blast first day with fun. Uh, if I could have a hunt like I had the first day and not kill a turkey, I'd be good for the rest of my life. That's what's, it's, that's what's so much fun about turkey hunting. Some days, the, a lot of times, the days you don't kill anything are some of the best hunts you have, and that's what keeps you keeps the fire stoked to come back, you know? Yeah, and you always learn something, too. 
Yeah, you're exactly right, but you learn something. You'll find out the opening day of season there are Jake's Goblin that you had no idea that would be Goblin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you call them up, and they're within 10 feet of you, and they're Goblin in front of you, and they're strutting in front of you. It just doesn't get any better. Yeah, no doubt. You just do not have to kill a turkey every time. No, you don't. And sometimes it takes some of those kind of mornings. You know, you put four or five of them together. You kind of figure out what a group's doing or what what a particular gobbler's doing. And it it takes four or five mornings to get on one and and seal the deal. And that makes it that much sweeter to me. You know, just that time of the year and hunting turkeys is probably probably my most favorite thing to hunt of all. And I love hunting just about anything. But when when it comes to managing habitat for turkeys that's always in the back of my mind is you know i want to create the best environment i can for wild turkeys on my land or land that i lease so that come spring i've got lots of opportunities when i can go well joe i agree with you 100 percent. back in the days that in the old days back in the 90s and early 2000s we never really thought about managing our habitat because we had so many turkeys Right. Uh, but I'm telling you, I, I love the idea that people are concentrating on turkeys now, uh, talking turkey conservation, uh, talking about what they need to do to attract turkeys. And it, it's it's really, really healthy for the sport and also for the bird. Yeah, I agree totally. Well, you know, today we've talked about, look, there's a lot of things you can do for turkeys. It's not just about food plots. Uh, you know, prescribed fire is a big big part of it. There's a lot of things you can do, but today we are going to focus just on food plots. And, you know, really I, I look at the food plots I'm planning. I know it's, it's providing, you know, good attraction for deer, good nutrition for deer, but I'm wanting to get better at planting food plots specifically for turkeys and that are going to do things for turkeys, not just necessarily nutrition wise. So, when you start to think about food plots in particular, why are they important to wild turkeys? How can they function with their feeding needs, their cover needs, their nesting needs? What do you look for to really provide to those turkeys? Probably the best thing, the most important thing to me is I want to I want to try to create a habitat where turkeys, number one, are comfortable. They feel safe. Uh, I want to create a habitat where uh, poults can move through the plots uh, securely and not have to worry about being so thick and overgrown that they can't get through because they're not going to use them. If they can't move freely through these food plots, they're not going to use them. And if they're wet and it just poults just won't be able to survive it. Gotcha. So you're focusing more on poults, less on nutrition, and, and just providing that uh, habitat for them when they're in that critical stage. That's the way I feel about it, okay? Don't get me wrong. I love planting clovers in in these food plots because these grown turkeys are going to come through and they're going to pick through it and they're going to kick the insects off the clovers. And uh, But but my main goal is is if you don't have any turkeys, if you don't grow any turkeys, uh, there's no need to plant for turkeys Uh, because you've got to have a good, healthy population of turkeys. You can feed them all you want to. But if we don't have any raising on the farm or in the in the local general vicinity, then what we're doing is fr- is really not very fruitful. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, like you say, you're planting something that may attract a turkey for you to hunt, but you don't have that production coming through. And uh, that makes total sense to me. And if you look into the research around wild turkeys and their nesting success rates, they're very, very low. 
So, yeah. you know, anything tough, you can do. for a baby turkey out there. Yeah, everything wants to eat a, eat a turkey, big or small. Yeah. Uh, from yeah. the day one, a turkey's got a tough road to hoe. Everything's no doubt. to them from day one. So, yeah. And, and, you know, human beings are part of that process, too. Yeah, that's and right. We, we kind of like to get in that works, too. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when you're looking at your habitat overall, and when, so when I say local habitat, I'm talking about the habitat on your property and then the, the habitat of the property kind of surrounding you. What do you need to understand it, in terms of how to structure your food plots? Like, how do you know if you have got a limited resource, uh, like you were talking about that brooding habitat for those young poults? Do you need to do that in every plot? I mean, because you may go on some properties and say, hey, look, you know, this this pine plantation that's right next to it, it's it's getting burned on a regular rotation. That's great habitat for that. I don't really need to do that in this food plot. Or do you feel like every food plot can can stand to have a little bit of this? Yeah, you know, every food plot could stand to have a, have a, uh, a little bit of it, but I don't think it's that, it's that critical. You know, you hear figures of, of they would like to have 10%. Of, of your properties that would be in some kind of brooding and nesting habitat. And that's where, like you said earlier, your prescribed burning is going to come in. You know, but the turkey environment is just not a pretty piece of property because yeah. it's grown up. It's grown up and, and there's Cherokee roses. There are sawbriars. There are milkweeds growing. There's weeds everywhere. And one of the best comments I've ever heard is someone just needs to sell a bush hog, and they need to let some of this stuff just grow up. You know, just let we are more concerned about having a pretty piece of property than a property for turkeys. And I think that's where we have made a critical, critical mistake in the past. I know I've been guilty because I don't want weeds growing everywhere. Uh, but but today it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of learn to embrace them when you start to see what they provide. I mean, like ragweed, for example, it's a it's something that you see it a lot in this time of year and going into the early summer, and that's great uh, brooding habitat for turkeys. That's that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Them being able to oh, get that's exactly in right. and amongst you know, and under. A lot of people don't like all these golden rods because they're allergic to them, but boy, they, yeah. they sure they sure produce a lot of uh, they're pollinators and they attract a lot of insects for these poles. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's something else. I'm glad you brought that up is, is that you hear people say, well, this is good pollinator habitat. And people are thinking like, well, I'm not hunting butterflies. You know, I want, <laughs> I, want I want a deer, I want a turkey. And you're like, well, what do you think a turkey eats? You know that. So that you bring up a, a great point there. Yeah, Joe, I'm going to tell you, and that, and that first two to two weeks to a month of, of, of a pope's life is, is critical. And, and until they can learn to fly, until they can get these trees and habitats, They've got to be able to move around freely underneath all the cover, have plenty of food and protection from overhead from, from all the, uh, the wildlife. I mean, from all of the uh, predators. Yep. Those are all great points, Mr. Tim. Um, we did a podcast not too long ago about native, you know, the Southeastern native grasslands and the native habitat around here. And Joe and I have been trying to be better about that in our place. You're trying to figure out what we have. Um, why are native plants important and how can we make them produce better on our properties well you know the good lord had a pretty good uh system going until <laughs> we can't had it figured it out until we messed it up, up. right you know, we kind of messed it up there's there's so much seed bank in these soils that if, if we just open up these properties if we disturb the ground many many times we're going we're going to get natural forbs come back natural plants come back because that, that's what these turkeys that's what these quails 
if we've got quail habitat, we got turkey habitat. I can assure you, you're still going to have deer habitat. So I think we're managing in the wrong way, but I understand the economic engine is for deer. But uh, but but we can't we just cannot overlook those minor uh, those minor species of animals. So you mentioned kind of selling the bush hog earlier. I know that's a little dramatic, but I know exactly what you mean. I mean, some things are better, you know, just to grow up just a little bit. But I mean, we got to have roads. We got to have access points. Um, what are some things that people can actually let grow up a little bit that, you know, maybe a little bit of an eyesore, but we don't need it? What do you mean whenever you say, you know, sell the bush hog? You know, and, and of course, when you're driving down your roads, those ditches on the other side of the ditch, letting those grow up are, are wonderful, wonderful places for, for poults and turkeys to nest. They got the roadways, they can travel, they uh, they can nest, and, and the uh, poults are protected right there on the side of the road. Let it grow up a little bit in, in some of these sawbriars and all, blackberry vines and things like that. Uh, low droughts. For, for for timber where they have been, don't come in and put food plots. Uh, just plow them up just one time in the fall. Let it come back naturally, and then about every three years, plow them up again uh, and, and probably burn them every three years. We've got things we can work with, but we just haven't prioritized them like we, like we probably should have. And, and, and I think these loading ramps and, and on the edge of roads are just critical. I think that's wonderful corridors for um, for turkeys and, and wildlife travel. Makes me feel good to hear you say that because I just had a timber harvest done on my place. And one of the things that we did on purpose uh, was all of our existing roads, we widened them. We tried to make them wider. Oh, we tried to take some timber out along the sides, let some more sunlight in. For that express purposes, we want to let them grow up a little bit and provide some better habitat. But I've also got a couple of log landings that are ugly as all get out, big old piles of wood, you know, and I'm just, I'm looking at them going, man, I got to do something with this, you know, it is bothering me. And, uh, and but in my, head, in my head, you know, I'm thinking like, well, I don't want to plant timber back here because a few more years, we're going to be using it as a log landing again. And so I'm thinking, what do I do? You know, and, and you just gave me a great idea, you know, I yep, mean, I need it's a great idea burn up that old slash that's laying there and uh, this can be a, up a, a and let it roll great habitat you know great nesting habitat all that so so you mentioned you know kind of plowing those areas up maybe running a fire through there all right so tim get getting back to the food plot side of things what can we do in our food plots to stimulate that native seed bank a couple of things i think probably if we had a barrier around our food plots because what we've done in the past is everybody plows all the way up to the trees and they don't really need leave any kind of native grasses. It, it, depending on what the size, if you have big food plots, if you can leave a 15-foot, I'd say a corridor that goes all the way around your field and let it grow up in native grasses, let it grow up and, and plow it up in the fall, absolutely plow it up in the fall, and then just let those weeds come back and next fall, don't disc them. You probably don't even have to burn them because that'll be a one-year-old weed bed. And plant your food plots in the middle of the plot. And that way they, they've got nesting, they've got some brood habitat, they've got the, the bigger turkeys, got clovers, they've got some wheats and oats and rice when they do seed out. And and what I'd like to see is, we talked about a little bit earlier, is, is what I'd like to see probably a little bit less seed in the food plots. I'd like to see them not quite plant them as thick. What does that do, Tim, by um, not planting those food plots as thick, like you mentioned? 
what does that do? And then what, what would be some guidelines, you know, like if somebody's maybe planting 150 pounds per acre of their oats, wheat, and clovers, whatever it may be, how would you, how much would you scale that back? If you could scale it back to cereal grains, I hate to say this because it's going to look thin and deer hunters aren't going to like it. But if you could scale it back to 50 or 60 pounds of cereal grains, uh, I think that what you now have done is you've spread out the seed, you're spreading out, they got quarters to travel in. Uh, being in the, in the co-op and being in the seed business, most folks don't want to hear that. You know, you, they really want you to hear yeah, Most of the times you're thinking about selling seed. But for turkeys, I'd rather see less seed. When you do that, what's probably going to happen is you're going to get an influx of ryegrass, which always happens. And uh, matter of fact, in many of our plots today, I think we could probably just plow it up and ryegrass and clovers will come back. You're probably going to have to come in the springtime in, in late February, early March, and probably spray a herbicide, come in and try to kill out some of these ryegrasses, some of these uh, cereal grains, and, and let the clover spread and, and try to, Try to maintain that that ryegrass because it gets so thick that it can't be used by poults and by, by turkeys. can be, but difficult, okay? You mentioned putting that buffer around the plot, maybe. Yeah, I like that. 15 foot wide or so. I like the idea of that because, I mean, on food plots that I've hunted that have had kind of a, a natural border that wasn't timber, but it also wasn't the planted area. It also seems, going back to the deer hunting focus it seems like those deer are a little more comfortable kind of coming up to the edge and being in those native grasses before they walk out you know into the wide open and i've i've enjoyed that but when you think about that buffer that's one way we could lay out that plot do you do anything different there you know in the uh the area that you do plant like do you want to plant strips or do you want to leave like these buffers you know maybe running in strips throughout the plot, or do you just like to go with that circular buffer and plan in the middle? I think probably the circular buffer. And yeah. and the reason I say that is because now you've got a, a, an area that goes from possibly where they're they're nesting and brooding to where they can probably feed in the woods right next to, to the field. And they also can, can go bugging and going off in, into the food plot. Um, I probably like it better on the edge of the woods because they can get back to more cover quicker. That's me personally. Uh, now, will you do that on every plot? No, I don't think that's feasible because it, if, if a plot's not very large, you just can't let it just grow up in weeds because it, it just wouldn't be natural. But but I, I still think I would like the circular type around the edges of the woods. I do like the idea of a buffer zone. That's something uh, That's something even us rednecks can you know apply to our property pretty easily, and it seems like it'd make a pretty big difference. Well, with the less a, a turkey has to travel to go from nesting to, to bugging to brooding areas, less predator, I guess, yeah. the introduction that you'll have as far as having a chance of, of being uh, killed by predators. Yep. So it, the, the, the less they have to travel, the more survivability we should be able to maintain. Yeah, they got to be able to hide for sure from right. things above and things uh, at the same level as them or above them. Talking about planting that circular food plot, and Joe mentioned a little bit, you know, whether you like to plant in the middle or strips, kind of seems like you like to plant in the middle of that buffer. We mentioned that turkeys like clover. Um, what are some other things that we should consider whenever we're talking about a food plot mix for our seed? Well, but you know the cereal grains, when they when they fill out, they're going to absolutely love these cereal grains. They're going to strip the heads. So 
But but that's going to be a little later. It's going to be after turkey season, of course. Maybe may it's a latter part of turkey season. Uh, last year, I killed a turkey that was absolutely filled full of oats in its crop. And it just, it had stripped oats. They were still, they, they weren't quite mature, but they had already started stripping them. So um, these turkeys are still, when they mature, they're going to start stripping these grains, which gives them a lot of protein. They just don't quite give as much protein as it would if it was eating insects. You know, you're talking about those cereal grains. We're planting those a lot of times in the fall. This time of year, they're going to be maturing. And I think this year in particular, you we may see more of that. I think we're going to have uh, full seed heads before the end of turkey season is up by the way the uh, weather's been going. I mean, I don't know what you're seeing over there in the west side of Alabama, but on the east side, I mean, my food plots are already starting to bolt and we're I not even into April. Uh, so by the first week of May, I think we're going to have them head high to a turkey. That being said, um, that's what we're doing in the fall. If we want to plant this spring for summer, are there any species of plants that we want to select that are going to provide better cover, better nutrition, better better brooding for turkeys this summer and going into next fall? Well, Joe, as you well know, the, the spring favorite seems to be planting chufas. Everybody loves a chufa. But if you have hogs, so yeah. do they. And right. it is an absolute nightmare to fight hogs if you got chufas. Yeah. I had a biologist tell me one thing about a chufa was it's kind of like a Big Mac to a human. He said, it sure is good, but it's just really not a whole lot of nutritional value, folks. So he, he made a great point that chufas are a wonderful attractants, but as far as trying to, uh, I guess you would say, provide more nutrients to your turkeys is probably not the choice. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, are planting the Balancia clovers. A lot of people are planting the uh, Elise clovers, starting to plant them right now. Um, they're, they're very good for, for insects, and, and when they start, especially when they start blooming a little later on. You know, e any of the blooming products, such as the uh, soybeans, would be good if they weren't too thick, where they can move around and pick around. Uh, sunflowers, of course, has always been a favorite, especially when they, when they seed out and fall over. You know, it's, it's just so many choices. You could even go in and start planting your wildflowers this time of the year. Yeah. Uh, that's what I really like. And then that way you've got a food plot for your turkeys all the time. But in the deer plots, a little different situation. Well, like you said, though, I mean, it's really a blend, right? I mean, just selecting a bunch of things, but keeping that uh, planting rate low so that you're providing the space that they need. That's exactly It's right. too thick. Them. And is there a, uh, can you give us a visual on that? Like if you're walking through a plot, what's too thick to you uh, from a, from a turkey's perspective? Is it, if you can't walk through it, it's too thick? If, or, no, no, or... no, it's, you've got to have bare ground. You've got okay. to have, you've got to have, like when you look under a Cherokee rose bush, you know, when you look at it, it's clean, it's easy to walk through, there's stems in there and there's a lot of cover up top. I'm just trying to give you a good analogy of what it might look like because it's it's hard to describe. It's easy to show a picture, and mm -hmm. and if, if and and that would be once you see it, you say, well, you know, I see how that could work because they could maneuver around. A uh, brown top millet is 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 something that you know once it dries down, they can move up under it if it's not too thick. It, it's hard to describe just what the ratio would be as far as stems per per square foot. 
golly, I'd, I'd say probably two or three stems per square foot would be maximum. Yeah, more open than what you would be used to yeah. or probably Absolutely. like if you're into food Absolutely. plots. <laughs> and and if you have to, then come in your food plots and, and, and you might want to just disc some strips in the springtime. Just go ahead and disc them up. And uh, that way at least they'll have – they can get in and out of trouble pretty quickly when they come out in these in these clear disc plots. Mm-hmm. And then they could get back to cover quickly if something did attack them. But, you know, I think disking into food plots would help, especially if they were just regular deer food plots. Well, Tim, I, we've talked a lot about, you know, what turkeys really need in terms of nutrition. But what I've heard you say is that we really need to be focusing on these young turkeys more than anything and how we can use food plots to help us do that. Uh, hopefully you're looking at your property from a landscape level and saying not, you know, not just focusing on the 10% you may have in food plots, if you're lucky, but focusing on everything. But when it comes to folks managing for wild turkey, what what are some of the mistakes you're seeing people making? Well, for the people who really just want to plant something, uh, not starting out with a good soil sample and knowing where your base is. You need to get a soil sample because that pretty well tells you where you are today and what you're in and figure out what crops you want to plant, whatever it is. And those typically are varieties of your own choice, okay? People have different ways of coming up uh, with, with trying to take care of turkeys. But but you got to start with a good soil sample to make sure what your pH is and what your soil nutrient requirements are. Uh, the, the other thing is consult with a wildlife biologist. They're, they're all across the state. Uh, they're provided free of charge. The Alabama Wildlife Federation has them. The NWTF has them. The state has them. Uh, Department of Conservation. So there's no need to try to reinvent the wheel because these guys were trained in this line of work and know what it is. So so don't go work yourself to death trying to figure out what to do because these guys can make you great recommendations. And personally, I think the best thing to do is less. Sometimes the less we do, the better off we are. Uh, don't go out there with these bush hogs and just make the property immaculate unless you just want to have a pretty show bus. Uh, but sometimes doing less will create more for you in the future. Uh, we've got to take care of the uh, the poults and the nesting. So that is my number one take that, that I think that, that people need to understand. It's not always the feed. But it, you got to you got to rear turkeys before you can start feeding turkeys. I think that's great advice. You know, we we get focused on attracting and feeding and or what we think matters, and it may not even matter. Yeah, you know, yeah. we get stuck in this one mindset. We've always been doing it this way, and I mean, I like the uh, wildlife biologist thing. People people do what they do for a reason because they're good at it, and I'm not afraid to pick somebody's brain that knows a lot more than I do. Yeah. Well, I'm going to make this comment because there there was a wildlife biologist that's a friend of mine, and uh, he went to see another friend of mine. So I'm not going to call any names, okay? (laughs) But uh, he was trying to show them what good turkey habitat was, and and he pointed over, and my buddy told me, he says, Tim, I swear this is true. He says, you see that over there? That is great nesting for turkeys. And they walked up there, and I'd be damned if a hen did fly up. Now, wow. will that ever happen again? Absolutely <laughs> not. But it's a good it's a good take that you need to know what good habitat is, and that's where you need to consult with some experts. 
Tim, it's been fun talking turkeys. I could do it all day. I could have you on every week. We'll find a new new topic, uh, even just tell tell stories from the hunt. Uh, that's one of the things I love about, you know, going and talking to people, whether they're trained or whether they're, you know, not. Uh, they just enjoy these birds as much as I do. But that is going to wrap it up for us today. If folks want to reach out to you guys there, if they're local to you, or if they want to get hooked up with somebody that's local to them, what's the best way to get in contact with you? Uh, with me, they could probably email me if they wanted to. Pretty easy. It's timwood at alifarm.com. That's timwood at alifarm.com. Contact me or email. I can connect you to biologists that, that uh, will, will come in and help you. Uh, if you want to call us, 334-874-9083, 334-874-9083. And uh, just give me a call, and, and we'll be more than delighted to talk with you and uh, try to help steer you in the right direction anyway. Tim, it's been fun. Good luck with the rest of your season. Well, Joe, thank you. And Butch, uh, when you're in Safford, holler at us. I will do, buddy. It was good talking with you, Mr. Tim. Okay, buddy. Thank you all. All right, folks, we'll be right back. Y'all take a minute and check out some of the businesses that make this show free for you every episode. Uh, this week is brought to us by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you're frustrated with typical hunting and fishing magazines and tired of reading content, then for guys that are up in the north or up in the Midwest, check out Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't fish or hunt in your home state. You can pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and it will help you become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And also brought to you by Alabama Farmers Co-op. From backyard gardening to large-scale farming and everything in between, your local co-op has what you need to be successful. Since 1936, Alabama Farmers Cooperative has provided high-quality products and friendly service to community members and local farmers. With over 60 locations to serve you and 85 years of experience, you can count on the co-op. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.alafarm.com. Dot com And also buy First South Farm Credit. What does a farm mean to you? Maybe it's just a piece of land where you can go relax or enjoy the outdoors. Whatever the farm means to you, First South Farm Credit can help you finance or refinance that perfect piece of land. As a successful financial cooperative, First South shares its profits with its borrowers in the form of a patronage refund, which lowers your cost of borrowing. To find out how First South can help you, visit their website at firstsouthland.com or call them at 800 955 1722. They are an equal housing lender. I got a bunch of good ideas for my place from this, Butch. Um, Especially especially that buffer. You know, I've been thinking about that. It really doesn't grow that well anyway, right there in the drip line of those trees. Usually got some trees that are shading and all that. Yeah, that. And, you know, then you got to run the tractor all down through there. And so somebody's got to go through and trim a limb so you don't we get whacked in the head by a tree limb, you know, so right. I'm yeah, sitting you could there going, up, you could give up that 20 feet or 30 feet yeah, or whatever easily. Yeah, I'm like, especially that. if it's going to make more great habitat for your poults, like Mr. Tim was saying, he, and I think he's right, man. If you don't, if, if you don't have many baby turkeys, you're not going to have big turkeys. That's, that's not a, right. uh, it's not general surgery there. I can figure that one out. Um, unless somebody around you is doing it for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You got to grow the next crop and, uh, that's important. And, you know, I just, my key takeaway from this was just doing, doing less. I think you, you, at times you need to do things like go in there and cut some timber and 
and open up some areas and let some more sunlight get in and all that. But also, I know, I, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are like me. I get up there and I'm like, man, these roads are getting thick. I need to, I need to bush hog this where it's easy to get around, right. you know, and the UTV doesn't have a, it and it's scraping on the, scraping on the broom sedge or the dog fennel as we're driving down the roads or, or whatever. And it's like, do you though? Do you need doesn't to do matter. that? I mean, well, no. and is that good for the turkeys? Doesn't sound like it is. Does not sound like it is. I would agree. I like it. He's telling me to do less. Same man. That was one of the, that was one of the big takeaways that I had too, was I was laughing at him. Sell the bush hog. I mean, yeah. it, it makes a lot of sense. Let it grow up a little bit. It's definitely not going to hurt anything. It might hurt your, uh, your whatever you want to call it, your aesthetic ego, you know, it's not going to be as manicured, but does it matter? Well, and I think too, I'm guilty of this is you got that expensive tractor sitting there and all those implements sitting there and you're kind of like, well, I'm here. I guess I should get on the tractor and do something, you know, <laughs> maybe yeah. you shouldn't. I, uh, and, and that was good yeah, advice to get with the, get with a biologist because, oh man, no doubt these people, they're very smart. They're, they've been educated to know what good habitat it is, what it looks like and be able to explain it to you and how to recreate it on your property. And there's so many free resources out there that are, there's un- a lot of resources that are under exercised. hundred percent agree with that. Guilty, guilty is charged, man. You get in your groove and it's just easy to put your head down and plug along doing what you know, you've always done and what your dad did. And you yeah. know what I mean? It's just get easy on Google to- and you're an expert in 30. Oh minutes. yeah, no doubt. That's right. No, nah, that well, was a been, good one, man. Yeah, it's been fun. I'm looking forward to putting some of this stuff into in the process on my place and uh man getting after them turkeys you know i love them oh yeah well that's gonna wrap it up for us this week appreciate you joining us we want to make it easy for you to listen so here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377 again just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377 you'll join our email list And wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you got a show topic that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Sunland show is brought to you by Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks are proud to be your metal roofing headquarters for over 40 years. Save time and money by buying from the most reliable manufacturer on the Gulf Coast. They now have eight locations to serve you. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters, and also Southern Seed and Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients for your deer? Check out Southern Buck. Your deer will love it. Visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. Mallard Bay Outdoors. Book your next guided hunting or fishing trip with thoroughly vetted guides or charters. Built by sportsmen for sportsmen. Mallardbay.com. Bucks Island Marine. Bucks Island is a full-service facility that sells new and used boats and motors. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77. Southside Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And also, First South Farm Credit. First South shares its profits with its borrowers in the form of a patronage refund, lowering your cost of borrowing. Check them out at firstsouthland.com or call them at 800-955-1722. They're an equal housing lender.